behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. Today we are back for episode eight. This is so exciting. Episode eight, feeling great. Oh yeah, Casey, that's real cool. (laughs) And the topic for today is something that we know so many women and men struggle with. Dun, dun, dun. Eating disorders. This is a heavy topic, but we are really excited to have a guest on who is going to open up her personal life. But before we get into that, we wanted to really thank you guys so, so much for tuning in to us each week. If we get to a weekly episode, which we're doing pretty good, Um, we seriously love when you guys reach out to us um, via Facebook or Instagram. Um, If we haven't gotten back to you, bear with us because life is hard out here. Just trying to get some money to pay my rent, which is working. Um, But we always want to just thank you guys for tuning in because you are why we continue to podcast. You are our why. Oh, that was Um, sweet. Thanks. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Behavior Bitches Podcast. And leave a review with five stars only, please. If you don't want to leave five stars, don't leave a review. Won't be mad if you don't. But if you want to leave a review, leave five stars, please. Um, Now, for our five-star review of the day, which I see Casey is getting ready to go. In the meantime, (laughs) I'll just give you a quick update of what's happened in my life. I turned 29 two days ago, for those of you who care. And I finally decided to open the anthropology bath mat that I got as a wedding gift back in March, but I have not wanted to use it because I was scared it would get dirty. But I decided no time like today to open the anthropology bath mat. Thank you, Talia Gooden, since I never sent you a thank you card yet. Shout out to you, girl. Now for our five-star review of the day. Casey? Take it away. All right. So this one uh, is titled, You Both Rock. Oh, God. I don't know what I would do with all these reviews. (laughs) Uh, It's from Jess2870. She says, I am loving your podcast. I recently passed the New York Licensed Behavior Analyst exam in June and have been in the field of behavior analysis for 20 years. Amen, girl. Wow. When I was studying, I put my radio listening behavior on extinction. Recently got into listening to ABA podcast, and yours has been the first that truly resonates with what we do on a day-to-day basis. Oh, my God. I know, I'm going to cry, actually. (laughs) I'm enjoying the guests you are inviting to speak as they provide insight to our field. Tying in the behavior principles is a plus as it enables all of us to see how behavior is everywhere. Thank you for making my car ride in between clients that much more enjoyable. Hearts. Oh, Oh my God, she's been in the field for 20 years and she's listening to our bullshit. (laughs) I know, I'm like, I feel like really honored. Jess, if, Jess. You, if you can hear us, well, if you're listening, not if you can hear us. Yeah, if you actually do listen to us, like your review, we love you. And send us a message or post on like our Instagram, like, or our, in our Facebook group, like they read my review or something cool. I want to like talk Know to that you. you heard us. We want to know. I also want your experience and knowledge of 20 years in the field. And like, you could be a good resource for me as year one in the field. So that was awesome. I just... Wow. Overwhelmed. Blessed. With joy. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Wait, sorry. That should be our just every title episode. All right. Okay, so-, so today, me, let me say this part, Casey. Go ahead. Because I'm excited about our guest. So today we have a special guest on who has agreed to open up about her personal struggles 
around eating disorders and how she changed her behavior. Hashtag ABA, duh. ABA does everything. behavior principles. Hashtag ABA changes the world. Yay. All right. Beautiful. Um, Casey, before we get started, I know I only said about my anthropology. You have my anthropology rug that I opened up in the bathroom. You literally have 15 seconds to say about yourself. Go. What have you been up to? Today, at least. Okay. So today I went to a body pump class. I was preparing to lift heavy weights so our guests would be impressed by me. Um, (laughs) I went paddleboarding after work. I did that zenly with no phone. I'm trying to disconnect a little bit from social media for my mental health. Um, This week I saw a therapist, which I did open up to on um, Study Notes ABA during my class and dealing with you know, some anxiety issues and stress and not wanting to be, you know, my doctor was immediately like, here's Prozac. I was like, not a fucking chance. Sorry. That was my F-bomb. Um, I can do this on my own. I got some real good CBD oil, went and got a massage and went to therapy. And I'm telling you two days later, I already feel like that heart attack feeling is gone. So if that's going to probably be a next episode is anxiety, but right now, and I'm going to talk about that. Good. I stand strongly behind anxiety meds. I really do. But I know, and no, that and I believe that if, if I actually had a generalized anxiety disorder, like me, a actual imbalance versus a situational thing causing, I know my trigger, you know what like, I mean? Does your work listen to this podcast? <laughs> it's, not my, it's not my work. Wink, wink. No, it's not even about, it's about, it's just being a BCBA in general. It is just that. Um, but and Casey loses her job tomorrow. <laughs> no, they can't not, afford that. It's not that it's basically like it's situational anxiety. Cause it's a learning curve. If I'm not perfect at something right away, I get really, re- I put myself into a really deep place because I'm always good at everything I do. And if I'm not, I am like, I stress out, I worry, I just, and I know that I need to remove that pressure because no one else is putting that on me but myself. I think that perfectionist attitude that you have is very good, um, a very good introduction into what we're gonna talk about today. Amen, let's go. And also there was one thing I wanna tell you that I posted on the Instagram on Study Notes ABA. Um, and did you see that funny thing I posted? It says, it's 20, and you just said you started therapy and it said, it's 2019, you have two options. Therapy or start your own podcast. <laughs> and so I wrote so last couple. Of, <laughs> I said I wrote on it last couple of years was therapy. This year it's a podcast. <laughs> so I loved that one and I thought it was really cute. So the uh, the other one I posted today on the Behavior Bitches uh, Instagram was by Elizabeth Gilbert, who's one of my favorite writers, and she said my actual job in life is managing my mental health. And I was like, yes, girl, yes. But taking control of that and again. That's a whole other episode, but right now, let's get into introducing our guest. Let's do it. Before we introduce our guest, let's tell you a little bit about her. Lauren lives in St. Louis, Missouri, and she graduated with an educational specialist degree in ABA in May. I believe Lauren had told me when we were speaking that she has more than one master's degree, which is hashtag hot as hell, go girl, hashtag education is sexy. Um, she works with adults with disabilities and severe behaviors, similar to UKC. Her mentors are Dr. Pavone, as in Maggie Pavone, the awesome guest we had on an episode a couple weeks back titled Don't Be an Asshole. And her other mentor is Melissa Weber, who Maggie, when she was on the podcast, had said was also her mentor. 
And everyone's speaking so highly about this Melissa Weber chick. I think we have got to get her on here. Lauren is sitting for her BCBA exam in November, but she's already in the study notes ABA collective, hashtag overachiever, hashtag teacher's pet, hashtag Casey, you're being replaced. And she loves to drink coffee and lift heavy shit, literally heavy shit. If you stalk her Instagram account, you can find her at letters and lifting. Oh, we'll have to put that in the show notes because her handwriting is so bombastic, and she is drawing some graphics and beautiful stuff for the study notes ABA Instagram account. So follow her, go find her. She's so cool. And Lauren, we're so happy to have you here and that you wanted to come on and talk about this topic. We're so thankful. So thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself if I missed anything? I said that you had, I thought that you had said that you have more than one master's degree. Am I right? Yes, I have a master's in of arts and teaching early childhood. Mm-hmm. Two nice. masters. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So you, um, real quickly, just you work with adults with autism? Yes, I actually um, am really blessed because I work with Melissa Weber. So hashtag she, blessed. Hashtag <laughs> blessed. <laughs> so she was my, um, my practicum supervisor. And um, now she's my supervisor for my provisional license. And um, Maggie was, was so right. She is, Melissa is an incredible human being. And um, she has, she, so she treats individuals that have very severe and intense behavior in such an effective and ethical and compassionate way. Um, oh my God, all just, those things just, in one sentence. That's so nice no, to hear. She's just, no, she's <laughs> just, no, I, I want to write that down. Ethical, compassionate, effective. effective. Mm-hmm. She's, she's an amazing human. Um, so I'm really fortunate that I get to work with her and learn from her. And yeah. Maggie had said that she doesn't steer away from any behaviors. Is that is this where nope. the same girl we're yeah. talking about? Mm-hmm. Yep. She doesn't steer away from any behaviors. Hashtag Even- she ain't scared. She's not scared. <laughs> and she, um, what I also love about her is she just maintains this sense of calm. So when she's going into any sort of um, interaction with a, with a client, um, you know, be it crisis or not, she's just very calm um, in her de-escalation. And it's just so wonderful um, to, to see, you know, she's just an amazing person. It sounds like you're getting really great supervision. Yes, yes. and you should be amazing. so happy and yes. grateful. Um, that's amazing. I think that supervision is a really important thing, which will be a whole nother episode. Um, but tell us, yeah, anything about you that we missed? Tell us a little bit about hmm. yourself. Let's see. I have red hair. Episodes we've had two redheads. I mean, the odds of that are we have Maggie. I mean, isn't that very recessive? Yes. Who? Yeah. And my fiance, my I don't know if you've seen him, but yeah, yeah, he's a ginger, Mm -hmm. and he is the best person in the entire universe. Like I can't even say how amazing he is. Sounds like you have overgeneralization. You think all redheads are good? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, you must be the coolest person ever, Lauren, because oh you also send me the most amazing messages where I'm like, she's so she... uplifting. I'm like, how did she know I needed that today? Like, she should. I don't need a therapist. I just need Lauren. That's oh it. My gosh. <laughs> we, all, we all need a Lauren. <laughs> all right. So, Lauren, why don't we um, dive into your story? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So as in now, as in now, tell us about your eating. Okay. But also I think before sure. we get there, I just want to say that, um, something that is interesting, which I think I mentioned it for a second, but something that, because I stalk you on face, uh, on Instagram that I see that you lift when I said you lift heavy shit, I mean, you literally lift really heavy shit. You, can you tell us a little about your lifting schedule and sure. when, how often you work out, when you go to the gym, are you real? Are you really going? Tell us. I'm really going. Um, so I have been really fortunate. Um, I've been lifting for, I think about three years and I've had several amazing, um, powerlifting coaches. And so, um, my, my coach now, um, our program is I local and train four times a week and I train on, um, bench and squat and deadlift, um, with some overhead press. And, um, I told Liat my schedule is a little crazy. So twice a week I get up. And little? I That's like the biggest understatement <laughs> I've ever heard. I go at three in the morning <laughs> um, and I lift and then I come home and I eat all of the food. All of it. <laughs> so you have to feed those muscles, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. You cannot. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like that was an important antecedent to let people know that yep. this is something mm -hmm. that Lauren does now, which is amazing. And I'm hashtag envious. Um, so cool. Um, so I, we're talking about eating disorder. So I just wanted to throw that in that this is where Lauren is currently what she is up to in her life. So I think that's cool to know that we're gonna end this with a positive place where Lauren is now. So that's absolutely great. Um, when, uh, when did your eating disorder begin? Do you remember? Yeah. Um, so I was diagnosed formally in 2007. And um, who diagnoses that, by the way? Um, I, at that point, I saw my primary care physician or my pediatrician at the time, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I had met the criteria that um, of concern. And so my pediatrician got me in touch with a um, outpatient hospital um, in St. Louis. And so I went to a doctor there, a um, registered dietitian, and then I connected with my therapist who I've been with since 2007. I still see her. So. Wow. Okay. Amazing. And which eating disorder, if you don't mind us asking, did you struggle with? So I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's it's characterized with a lot of restriction. So, um, basically refraining from eating food. Okay. So thank you for operationally now, defining were, that for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So how old were you? I'm trying, I don't know how um, old you are now. I'm, so I'm 29. So I was 16, 17. Okay. Right there. Mm -hmm. Yep. So high school ish and yep, getting ready to go to college. And I think that was one of the things that, became the initial, um, I guess you could say motivator because I had to be healthy enough to go away to college. Yeah. And so and be on your own and be on my own. And so that was definitely something that, you know, helped me, um, at that point in my time in my life really stick with, um, 
you know, going and seeing my therapist is, and making sure I was in consuming the food that the, you know, the dietitian um, needed me to, to eat, to get healthy again, and to continue to go to, you know, that outpatient clinic and, and, and go through that process. So. Casey, um, sorry, this is for you, Casey. Didn't, I, I think in one of our past conversations, you've mentioned that you've struggled with an eating disorder in the past. Am I thinking correctly? Wait, call me out. Just kidding. No, that was part of the show. Um, yeah, I actually, around the same age, um, I think I was more 14, 15, um, but I struggled with bulimia and I was never actually diagnosed like from a doctor, but um, it was very bad. And uh, I got, you know, I ended up being caught by a family member and they could all tell. I like see pictures of me and I'm like, I now, you know, of course I'm like, oh, I look so good. <laughs> no, I did not look good. Like that was not healthy. And I found it almost like a game where I'd be like, I love, I'm a very person who needs to be in control. And that was my control. I could control, I couldn't control my home life, which was miserable. I couldn't control my relationship, which was not healthy, but I could control that every time I ate, I could go to the bathroom and purge. And it was a, it became like almost an OCD. I had to do it. And if I, I wouldn't eat if I couldn't be in a place where I could do that. Um, and that probably lasted like two years. And I think about the um, havoc it wreaked on my body, on my teeth, on all that. And uh, I guess I was lucky enough to have finally someone who was like, no, this is not happening. You are now being monitored every day you're not allowed to the bathroom by yourself. Um, I was put on like a very strict monitoring system. Um, and then I kind of, again, I was same as you, Lauren, this is kind of weird, but I was going to college and, um, it was basically, I had to be healthy to go. And I had to prove that I wasn't going to engage in those behaviors anymore, but it was hard. It was hard yeah. breaking that. And now I think, wow, I can't believe I ever did that. Cause Right. It's so gross to me, but it's not gross when you're in it. It is a routine. It is your ritual. It is your release. And like, same thing as like cutting or any type of behavior that is something that you can have control over, which you can probably speak to that. How did you feel about that? Well, I mean, I think that you hit on, um, at least what I found and, and Meg, Dr. Pavone was so helpful with this. Cause I ended up doing my, my graduate thesis on, um, ABA and eating disorders. And I think that what you spoke about is, is very much across the board for many individuals who have this, um, who engage in these behaviors. I will just say that, you know, um, and it's also definitely supported by our culture, right? Because I mean, even you just said, you said you look back at these pictures and you're like, Oh, I look so good. Well, that's, not what you truly believe, but that's how our, you know, if we think about verbal behavior, right? Like our, our social and our verbal community has shaped us to believe that that is what looks good. And so, um, you know, and, and again, like the research states that it's across family and um, doesn't, you know, matter your economic status or um, cultural background, this, um, these behaviors are um, very much effective for people in terms of, at least for me, that negative reinforcement, right? So you have something in your environment that um, is aversive to you. You could have something in your actual family environment like you spoke about. I also had very aversive private events. And so, um, you know, how, however we kind of wanna um, view that in, in terms of behavior analysis, like those 
definitely led me to engage in those behaviors of restricting, you know, to access either that, you know, escape or avoidance from those feelings or those events, or as you spoke about, and I don't know if it would be kind of access to, I don't think we could necessarily say access to tangible, but access to that control, right? Access to whatever that control is. You know, there, I've read some studies and about, uh, I mean, and I don't know so much about it, so I'm not going to get too into it, but that they were talking about creating another function of behavior being control. Really? Um, Because um, I'm trying to think where I heard it, and I'm sorry that I can't quote anything right now, but there was like certain things where, you know, some kids, or not just kids, but I'm just talking because that's the setting that I had heard it in um, from a supervisor or something. And it was about the idea, and I think maybe it was my supervisor I was with was doing some research on the potential of a fifth function of behavior being control. I mean, there's nothing that's, you know, been done to change the functions. It's still the four functions we know about being um, tangible, uh, escape, attention, and automatic. Uh-huh. So it's weird that you say that, Liat, because I, I'm working with adults, right? And it's very different than children. And I feel like every um, meeting I have with families, they are like, you know, um, they always talk about how, you know, it, they're, they're engaging in these behaviors because they don't have control over anything in their life. So things that they can have control over is where they're going to like latch onto and like stick their feet in the mud. And, you know, especially with like non um, vocal adults that you think, you know, oh, well, they, you know, that they don't really know what control is like, no, they want control, they would thrive off of when they can have a choice when they can have control. So and I just went through this this week with like four families. So I, yeah, I'm gonna have to look further into that. Yeah, but anyways, I don't think I'm pulling it out of my ass. I think it's actually from somewhere. But Lauren, what do you know if there was um one specific antecedent that you remember like the first time or like, okay. Um, I don't know if it's more difficult because let's say like bulimia, like the, be, the, uh, it's interesting. Cause like behavior, we say a dead, if a dead man can do it, it's not behavior. Right. And so when we say refraining from eating, right. can a dead man do that? Yeah, he can. I'm sure he never will. So like, I, I guess bulimia, like Casey's saying she struggled with that. It's kind of easier to um, operationally define in terms of an observable objective behavior. Like, okay, Casey, do you remember the first time you threw up? Um, whereas I'm wondering, do you remember the, either the first time that you, if something like triggered, okay, now like I'm not eating or it was like progressive over time. And maybe I'm just not understanding because something I never struggled with. Um, so, yeah. Well, and actually thinking about that, especially um, with my thesis, having to come up with, um, you know, those objective and measurable target behavioral definitions. Um, and Maggie and Mel kind of helped me with that. And so something in terms of anorexia that I defined was, you know, restrictive eating is um, defined as a decreased rate of food intake across settings and over time. So, you know, hopefully that helps with the dead man's test a little bit because, you're yeah. saying, you know, like this is, this is decreasing. You're, you're, you're actually choosing to engage in that behavior to decrease. It's not just the omittance of a behavior. Right. Okay. Right. 
Well, I'm happy that right. you had written about this. And so we could, <laughs> I'm just trying to, for anyone maybe studying or something to think about, because it definitely, there definitely are behaviors that someone engages in. I'm thinking, you know, whether it's um, maybe like avoidance, like going away from social settings or, you know, maybe a behavior you might see someone like flicking a lettuce leaf around their plate or like some, um, I'm sure there's some other observable behaviors we could put with it also. Oh, absolutely. And I think that um, it's, it's part of the criteria. And I think that what kind of develops over time is when we're looking at these behaviors, they're very covert. And, you know, like, like Casey said, you were found out, you know, my family saw over time what I was doing. You know, when you, I think um, something that's very um, typical of of some of these behaviors are, you know, eating by yourself, refraining from going out to meals, over exercising, um, things like that. And so there, you know, there, yes, there are these like additional behaviors that, you know, go along with, okay, Adjunct now, behaviors. there you go. So I'm just, I'm, you know, like, I'm, I'm not simply just refraining from eating. I'm also engaging on all these other very kind of covert things. So. So awesome. was there one, like, if you could think back, so people listening that have an eating disorder, like, um, for me, my like trigger was that I didn't have any control over the shitty life I was like put into. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the, I saw a very spiraling family out of control of drug abuse and alcoholism and abuse, like physical. Um, and I wanted to be perfect and think I was like in control of everything. And I believe that was my trigger or antecedent. Um, do you have one? Yes. Um, so around that time, my parents got a divorce, um, which is, you know, we know this happens in life and in no way am I blaming family or, mm -hmm. or, or putting that burden on anybody. But, um, you know, I think being in that adolescent period of your life and that's then totally out of your control. Variable, right. Exactly. So it's out of my control. I'm the eldest of four. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of me, you know, seeing what my siblings are going through at their various ages and kind of stages of development and feeling like, okay, there's a lot of pain around me. There's a lot of change, a lot of confusion. I'm also as part of, you know, just who I am. But um, I also think that it's very characteristic of individuals who engage in these behaviors, perfectionist as well. And so it's like, I want to fix and make better while getting, you know, the best in academics and, you know, and, and all of those things. And so that was definitely, I think that moment in time, the, the inability to, to control the family environment and my adolescent feelings and all of those things was definitely an antecedent for me. Today's episode is brought to you by something that is very close to my heart and Casey's heart. So close that there's nothing I'd want to advertise more. Dun, so. dun, dun. You're wondering what it is? It's Study Notes ABA. If you are studying to become a BCBA or BCABA and want to know behavior on a different level that relates to real ass life shit, you need to join the November Collective. Guys, um, also, I joined the collective um, for when I sat in February. I found this girl online. I was like, she's so cool. I want to be her. I joined the collective. That was how Liat and I became besties from another another state, um, <laughs> country, another country. No, and I am now teaching with Liat. I taught this collective, and I'm next collective. I'm teaching. We're co-teaching, which is what two BCBAs 
bang for your buck. And we have so much fun. And we, and we have two other BCBAs, and they're also manning the chat. So you're getting four BCBAs, one cup. I mean, what more could you want? Oh, God, you're so gross. I love it. <laughs> so anyways, guys, today's episode is brought to you by So You Know CBA, the best test prep out there. If you want real, raw, and relatable, Find us on Facebook, Study Notes ABA. Um, just type that into your Facebook search bar. StudyNotesABA.com. Please check it out. The website's looking bombastic, if I say so myself. Glad to and get the, rid of that dog print. The dog print's on there. Pavlov is on there. If you want to see what my dog looks like, even if you're not studying for the test, get on that website. I have worked hard on this logo <laughs> with... I'm an awesome guy. But anyway, so if you're looking to sign up, oh, also on Instagram, that's where a lot of our coolest shiznit is. Um, you can see all the beautiful handwritten notes. And yeah, hope to and see And if you're you studying for your class. exam, you better sign up for the collective because November is going to be off the chain. And it starts September 5th. You should know it starts September 5th. So get on your shit, sign up to study. We promise you it'll be fun. And we go through the entire task list. All right, that's all I have to say for now. Ta-ta. I'm also the elder um, and a perfectionist and one, I think our stories are very similar. Maybe that's why yes. we connected so well without even knowing our story. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like, okay, wow. I'm, I'm a middle child and I <laughs> and she's never perfect. had any, no, no, far from <laughs> it. Um, and I never had an eating disorder and I felt like I connected with Lauren also. So I'm just saying, I think Lauren's maybe just like a connectable person. Because she's a ginger. <laughs> there it is. Um, <laughs> All right. What is another question and that we have? Another for question you? that I another question I have for you is, um, do you feel so? That was kind of like an an event going on, which makes sense that that is like something you probably wish you could control when your parents are getting divorced, but you can't. Yep. Um, do you think there were any environmental variables aside from that? Like, I mean, now if we look at, um, I know we had mentioned when you and I spoke briefly about social media, for example. Um, I, was social media big then? I mean, it was still around then. I, you know, it's kind of funny because I didn't get Facebook until my senior year of college. I don't think Instagram was going at that point. But I mean, if you think about- The filter about, game was not as strong as it is now. Filter, yeah, the filter game was not as strong. I but, feel so bad I mean, for kids these days with all this filter shit and yeah. fake stuff. And this is not real life. It is fake book. It is not real. You see- right. Oh, I mean, cool one, Casey. Facebook. I know. I know. I, I think I coined that. No, I see my friends that are struggling posting only happy shit. And I'm like, and I do, I find myself guilty of the same stuff. I'm like, today I went to the gym, self care. And I'm like, inside, I'm like, having a, yeah, I'm like, bro, time. I spoke to you earlier. <laughs> like, I, I need to, like, people, you know, I tune in and I'm like, oh my God, everyone like so happy. And then that, when I do see those people post the real raw stuff, I'm like, Thank God there's someone being real because I don't have the guts right now to do it. You know what I did on Instagram today on the Instagram live? I um, <laughs> I was like, do you guys want to see a magic trick? And I was like, watch this. Look at my hands. And I'm Are like, you shook your fingers off? <laughs> no, I put them on. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, see this before. And as you see, I'm wearing gloves right now. My hands are killing today. Um, and I'm like, watch this, guys. And it's complete because people need to see that shit. They need to see that like, Oh, Miss Positive over here telling us to study for the test all the time, right. like has shit too, mm -hmm. you know. And I think people don't do that. No, I think I think you're absolutely right, and I think that at the time for me, you know, what the content I we did have, you know, then was movies and you know magazines or 
books. I mean, you know, if you even think about it, um, like if you read like young adult fiction at the time, I mean, they describe characters. So even as, you know, kind of trite and cliche as that might sound, it's like, you know, they're describing these female or male characters with the ideals of our society at the time for the body, you know, for body image. And I mean, that sets expectations, you know, and it, it's still defining um, what happiness is supposed to look like and feel like, you know, even prior to social media and all that big stuff. So, and I feel like, um, I think back to like my middle school days and with no actual, and probably these, like you said, movies or magazines that you read, but with really no um, social media at all, zero, um, I always would look at the girls that had these skinny, skinny body types that were, you know, just, they were just built that way. And middle school, you're just, it's how your bones are built, really. It's like, and I was a, a bigger boned. Um, and that was like, made me rest- immediately always think of whatever I ate. And like, that was not put on me by anyone else, but I mean, maybe outside environmental variables, but more just because I was like, I see that. I think that's supposed to be what I look like. And I'm going to, in restricting my eating only caused me to gain more weight. It didn't actually make me lose weight. And then that's when I turned to bulimia. So it was a long history for sure. Well, and that's something that I thought was um, important to look at too, because um, so my undergrad is in Latin and Greek. And so I did a lot of. Um, that was like your major? Inner, yeah, in undergrad. Um, and so you there was so cool. Latin and Greek. Oh my gosh. Wow. I always mention Greek roots in my um, class, in my and, collective. And you're right, because they're super helpful to study. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. I'm but like, like auto, self. Auto is self, guys, okay? Self. Exactly. There you go. You got it. But that's as far um, as my degree goes in Greek roots. Well, I mean, it's still helpful. So you're you're teaching very helpful and valuable <laughs> things. So keeping it alive for all of us. Um, but something that I remembered studying in like women and gender coursework is, you know, if if you look at the ancient Greeks and um, the female body type it is portrayed vastly different from what we see now. And so something I thought about when doing my research is like, this is, this is, there's such a long history of body image and body expectations. And so I talked with Maggie and Mel and I'm like, well, how do I how does this fit? You know, the Greeks didn't have Instagram back then. So what was going on? And that's where we kind of talked about, you know, selection of, you know, consequences. Right. And, um, you know, again, that verbal behavior piece and, and, and how our society was shaped. And, um, and it's just, so in a way, it's like, okay, so we've all literally every single one of us has been dealing with this. And this has been here since the beginning of time. Like these expectations have been here. So we're not alone. So I have a question. No. I'm just trying to throw in a little bit of learning here. Talking about verbal behavior. My worst verbal operand to talk about whenever I'm teaching the class is autoclitics. But autoclitics oh, is God. hashtag self-talk. So yep. couldn't that be involved in it also? Like you're talking about your own language or am I taking this too far? Anyone? No, 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 no. Could- no, I think I, I think that that's because doesn't that, and please, you know, you guys and anybody else out there, correct me if I'm wrong that goes back to like rule governed behavior, right? So we might not even come in contact with certain contingencies, but we're telling ourselves, oh, don't eat this or exercise for, you know, as long as you need to in order to obtain whatever ideal you think that you need. But I don't know if I'm 
you know. No, no, I, no, no, I think you're 100% think, right. For me, like, um, doing, engaging in like my own verbal behavior helps me get through the day. I'm like talking myself through things. Um, like it's going to be okay. You could do this. You're great. Like modifying my own verbal behavior to, um, you're like, Lauren said, I'm mm-hmm. great. Lauren said, I'm so motivational. Okay. Yeah, you can do this. Casey, Casey, you're cool. Lauren said it. I had one person reach out last night and told me I was inspirational. I am going to get out. I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get to work and I'm going to focus. But also like, um, like you said, rule governed behavior and like so contingencies that you haven't even come into contact with that you're told, like, you know, maybe you're told that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, how strong that is for someone who's a perfectionist worry wart like us versus someone who's a chill AF person who's like, whatever. And they don't even stress about those things that haven't even happened yet. When we're over here, like, but it could happen. It could happen. But, and I think too, with that, that's what's so powerful about how young we're seeing these behaviors, you know, or individuals engage in these behaviors. I mean, I think that we used to think of it honestly as um, behaviors in a disorder that adolescent, you know, women and men and, you know, uh, humans would deal with. And now it's like, no, this is children. Children are now dealing with this because, you know, maybe they're growing up in a house where they've been told don't eat that because, you know, and, you know, and also as such a learned behavior as well, because like I have a friend and growing up her, like her mom would literally come and be like, can you make sure she's not um, gonna eat too much when you guys are out, you know, she gets real hungry and we don't, and it'd be like, it's like, okay, the chance of this girl not having an eating disorder are slim because there's this obsession placed on it already. Or like the parents have come into contact with the contingency, meaning like either like they were bullied when they were younger for being overweight and their behavior was punished because like that eating behavior. So now it becomes a rule governed behavior for their child. And when you see these moms looking in the mirror, being like, I hate this about myself. I hate this about myself. Oh, I'm so fat on my sides over here. You know, a lot of behavior is learned, you know, I mean, all operant behavior is learned. All operant behavior is learned. My nephew is nine. And again, we have, it's funny because my sister and mom are, uh, they're not big bone. They're like little bones, <laughs> if you, if you could say that as a term. Um, but my nephew petite, definitely take petite, petite. they're petite. And, um, that side of the family is, and my, I took after my dad's side and we are fit. We are muscular. We are, um, I'm not, there is no, I would never ever coin the term fat. We just have, we like to eat in healthy, good food, but my nephew is this takes after me. And he came over the other night. He's nine. And he goes, he's like, auntie. And he's so cute. He's like, he's so active too. He's playing football. He's like running around like crazy. He's in my gym, in my house, like um, on the elliptical, like just being like playing around like a kid. But he said uh, the saddest thing. And he said uh, that kids at school are calling him, you know, fat and all this mean stuff. And that one kid was like, basically said he'd murder him because he was Tell those kids I'll beat the shit out of that. No, I know. Take bullying. But what I told him was, I was like, I go, he goes, but auntie, he goes, when I look at you, I think that we look the same. And I was like, oh, bud, like, (laughs) I go, we are the same. And he goes, but you're beautiful. And I was like, and so are you. Like, you have to tell yourself, I go, and I sat him in the corner and I was like, like literally, like you are beautiful. You are amazing. You are handsome. you is kind. You is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you was kind. You were smart. You was beautiful. 
And I literally like, I'm getting emotional because I was like so hurt and sad that he looked at me and said, but you're beautiful, but we look alike. And I'm like, yes, bud. Like, and he was like, I, he goes, I tell them that I'm built for power, not speed. (laughs) (laughs) I go, I gotta get strong. I gotta get him into weightlifting. Like not at nine, but like at least getting him to like you like lifting. Yeah. When he said that, I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard a kid say in the entire world. I'm built for power, not speed. (laughs) I think that's like an important lesson because when I think about like as a, um, as a child, I had like abnormal strength, I would say in terms of like my thing for show and tell every year would be doing like, Oh, watch me. I could do 68 perfect pushups in a minute. Watch this. I could do 40 (laughs) clapping pushups. Watch this. Like I always had like pull up bars on my door and all those things. And I mean, like the joke is now, or not necessarily a joke is like, I can't even do like a push up now because I literally woke up with lupus and my entire life changed. But my dad, something that he did when I think about it in hindsight now is he made me like so proud of that. Like, Leah, you are so strong. Like you could kick anyone's ass. Like you like, that's not normal. And like, I like lived up to that because that was, and so like for every show and tell, I telling you, I would do push-ups and I would do like, this is my karate thing. Like, yeah. Okay. Now I'm a black belt. And I did Muay Thai for years. And, but I think because, but all my friends were little dancers, like we'd go to like bat mitzvahs at, you know, everyone's bought mitzvah during those years. And they were all like these like tiny little, like doing their little dance routines, like one and two and three and four on the dance floor. And I'd be like, and yeah, and yeah. Five and, and six and seven and eight. Yeah, exactly. And, but like, so when I think about that now, just hearing it, I'm like, well, maybe that's something important that I want to like raise and still in my children, like, because it's so important of that learned behavior aspect of something. Um, Absolutely. I, I just, um, yeah. Since we just went a little crazy off topic. Uh, no, 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 it still it's, is on topic. It was. It's no, beautifully I know. on topic. Yeah. I mean, because honestly, we, that I think honestly, what's going to make a change within our society and within ourselves and our children and our clients and, and our friends and our just people is changing that language of what is defined as beautiful and strong. And honestly, it's however you define it. You know, it's, it's truly your own definition. So but I think of that all the time, like little things. Like I, when I, like when I first lost my fingers, I was thinking, oh my God, my kids are going to be like, not know any different. Like, oh, this is mom. Like this is mom's hands. Like they won't think anything of it. And that just shows that a child is so moldable and these behaviors mm-hmm. can be taught. Like they see this as normal. Okay, fine. Right. But, right. And, and so we have such control in terms of what we, not saying that any of the reason you guys had this was your parents telling you like, you need to do this, but like, as I'm talking about it now with you guys, like, I never realized that before saying like, my dad put me in these classes or whatever it was. But now in hindsight, I'm realizing, wow, it's so important that we do, you know, show them that, or like that they do imitate your behavior. So you have to show that you are happy with yourself and um, it's just- And not make like off cuff remarks, like, oh, I hate my stomach or like, or, you know, it, it's, I've heard mom say, like, my stomach's like this because of you. And it's like, oh my God, no. <laughs> right. No, and especially, you know, in, in I taught preschool before, um, um, you know, entering the field of ABA and something that we talked about in our classroom a lot was you are so strong. You're building those blocks. You're playing on the playground. You, you got to eat that food to grow those muscles. You have to sleep and 
you know, and then that became the language of two and three-year-olds. And, you know, if you do that with your clients, you know, which, you know, we do with some of the clients that we work with, you know, to, to get them motivated to engage in gym and, and the physical education part of, of the day is you are so strong, you can do it, we believe in you. So all of that positivity about strength and what you can do, I think is really, really powerful. And the cute thing about kids is they will come and tell you like, look how strong I am, look at this. And if only yeah. we could say that about ourselves, you know? Right. Nowadays. Absolutely. And- like Gal, my brother with autism, who is 22, like he sees a personal trainer because Gal loves to eat a lot. Like food is his ultimate reinforcer, along with a lot of kids with special needs or developmental disabilities. Um, and he's always like, yeah, like feel my muscle, this and that. Like yes. Gal, uh, <laughs> he's always saying it. And it's just like, uh, you know, a lot of us are like, we we don't do that. And I think it's actually cool to see more of that. But anyways, okay, getting to, we talked about the antecedent. What about the the consequence? Were you reinforced? Were people complimenting you? How amazing you looked? Were um, were you able to get in with a new group of friends? Like what, what consequences did you come into contact? I know you said negative reinforcement. Like you were able to feel mm-hmm. like removing something aversive, um, which I guess also weight could be aversive and wanting to remove it could be, like removing something aversive. So seeing the number on the scale go down each time, like it's like crossing off your to-do list basically. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, today, Mm -hmm. like, and I still find myself doing that. If I don't, I do like intermittent fasting sometimes and I'll be like, oh, I woke up this morning and I was four pounds lighter, negative reinforcement. It's going to increase my behavior to not eat between the hours of seven and 11 in the morning. And you know, it's that removal when you know that it's going to come back once you eat. It's not like I like really lost four pounds. <laughs> yeah, definitely I, I def- Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say that is like my it was my you know, my negative reinforcement uh, procedure is the removal of the weight increases my behavior to engage in those behaviors that showed a decrease on the scale. Absolutely. Yep. That I, I think that there was definitely some of that um, in my own personal journey. And I had, let's see, I um, diagnosed in 2007, I would say considered fully recovered in, in 2017. Um, and so this, this was very, very long, you know, 10 years of this and, and um, many relapses. And I would say that the behaviors were the same, but I think that they definitely changed. So, you know, when I was younger, it was definitely the um, escape from, you know, what was happening in my environment and the aversive stimuli. Was there, you know, a, an attention component from friends and family? Po- you know, possibly people would make comments. I didn't really find that reinforcing, but they, it was definitely there. And I think that probably got stronger as social media came about again, like what my ideal you know, should be is being dictated, um, as, and wanting to follow that. But then, um, it really kind of manifested itself in the last kind of leg of, of my journey with it. When I, um, was given a a diagnosis of obsessive compulsive disorder when I was, I, I mean, I was 24. And so I think it definitely kind of wove itself into that. So much more like, okay, I need, I want to get all this done. I want to, you know, have perfect grades in my graduate program. I want to, you know, be the best teacher ever. And I want to do all these things. And, you know, I have a lot of anxiety surrounding a 
these accomplishments and what I want to do and that fear of failure and that, that not wanting to have contact with failing and disappointing myself and other people. And so for whatever reason, you know, um, that is how I controlled all of that, that all those aversive, very punishing kind of internal events that were happening. Which is, is this something? Oh, Wait, real yes. quick. Did you ever go through cognitive behavioral therapy? Yes. So that's okay. what it, I actually started with. So when I first met my therapist, we um, initially did CBT together mm-hmm. um, with a little bit of, um, I think it's called dialectical behavior therapy as well, um, which was, you know, those were both very powerful in the sense that, um, you know, I learned to kind of act opposite of the emotion, like, okay, I feel these things, and I'm going to engage right in, an, in a different behavior. And so that was powerful. And then the what I really felt kind of flipped the switch of my recovery was um, acceptance and commitment therapy. Ah, so that's, oh, my God, I love yep. it. Yep. Um, have so you read The Happiness it. Trap by uh, Russ Harris? I love it. It's, um, <laughs> oh, I love your freak. So it's it is truly the best book, and I really like um, the illustrated. I don't know if you've seen the illustrated one. Yeah, I have. Yep. Oh, it's so it's. Perfect. I'm ordering yes, it. These podcasts book. are getting expensive for me. I order something from every <laughs> podcast. Like I just got clickers yes. in the mail the other day. I mean, this is okay. What's it called? Oh, the yay. happiness trap. Yeah, the happiness trap. I yes. I have that book, and I I will be honest with you, um, I haven't really had the courage to open it yet. I, I mean, I've had it. I, okay. Like I, I feel like it's one of those things where I'm always constantly reading about like how to be a good supervisor, how to do this, um, how to manage people. And I know that this book is actually going to be beneficial to me in my personal life. Yes. I'm always focusing on professional life first and I need, yes. you know, whether it's teaching and making sure I'm prepared for class or making sure I'm prepared for work and writing programs. Yeah. And- holy shit. You're so perfect. This girl like gets to me like three days before, like, is the outline perfect for class in three days? I'm like, bro, I don't even know what I'm eating for breakfast, like in five minutes. So I know that first for me and and Lauren, I want you to hold me accountable. I want you to like message me and be like, Hey, did you open your book? I was about to tell you, look, look right here. I just ordered it and we can have a book club. Do it. Absolutely. I think that's great. I got the illustrated one. Good idea. Yes, 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 yes. And that's what I was going to tell you, Casey, to do. Um, I don't know if you have that one. Hold on, let me check. Okay. She's getting up right now to do this. She's insane. Look at her. That's amazing. She's do it now, girl. Um, Okay. So anyways, in the meantime, we'll come back to that in one second. Um, I don't. Okay. Okay. So I'm I'm sorry, sorry, I think... Casey, get the illustrated one because okay. I think it's so friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like you said, you're not opening yet another dense, you know, book full of paragraphs and words. It's illustrations and like infographics and visuals okay. that you can just quickly flip to. And Hashtag Stinos so ABA. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. So get that one. It's so great. Thank you for that advice. I'm so excited. Absolutely. Okay. So in the last two days, these are the books I ordered in case anyone cares. I got analyzing ethical questions from behavior analysts. I never had the analyzing one by Bailey and Birch. I ordered podcast advertising works because I was listening to some podcast about the advertising and it told me to order that. And now I have the happiness trap. So <gasps> thank God I keep Shabbat. Yeah. Thank God I keep Shabbat because when else would I read this? Oh, and I ordered an I eighth plate on Amazon for my niece. She won't eat anything. That's amazing. Okay. 
Anyways, um, so what behavioral principles have you used? Uh, First of all, before I get that, is this an ongoing struggle you still have? No. So I um, consider, and I believe my therapist would agree with me that I am fully recovered, which is kind of controversial in in kind of like this area. Because I think there's uh, many individuals who say that, you know, this is, there always be a part of them. And I think it's, a part of my history of, you know, who I am, but I am not engaging in any of the behaviors. Um, Girl, it's your story. It does not define you. Right. Thank you. It makes Um, you, dude. I like literally am so thankful all the time for my health issues. I mean, they suck, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, who the hell would care to listen to me if I wasn't this relatable girl, like whose fingers fell off? Like, I'm like, well, I guess I took the finger thing for the team, but it's working in my favor. You know, people like That's it. Great. It motivates them from day one of class. So whatever. Okay. So what behavioral principles have you used to change your behavior that has led to recovery? And now that you understand behavior, like maybe you didn't yep. even realize at the time what you were doing, but when you look at it, what have you done? So I definitely believe it was you know, differential reinforcement of alternative behavior. Um, and probably, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, um, incompatible behavior because we really, a DRI. Yeah. Okay. Um, because something, so let me think. So my final relapse, I was engaged and I was in a therapy session and my therapist said to me, you can either, um, get back on track and get healthy are you, there are going to be, um, pretty severe professional and personal consequences. And, you know, I've been with her for a very long time. Yep, exactly. And so I, you know, I was a teacher, I was getting married, there was all these things. And then I, you know, was talking to my fiance about, or my husband at the time, my fiance then, and he said, I don't know if you're healthy enough to get married. And so again, you know, it was one of those things like, you know, he wasn't trying to be punishing. He was just like, we really Holly need to think like about that. Exactly. And I think that that is what really um, kind of helped me think, all right, I've been dealing with this for so long. This is not serving me. I need to figure out a different way. Um, I've always loved exercising. And I knew that that was very important for my mental health. But I, I knew that I had to do it in a healthy way. And so that's where I found powerlifting. Um, and this is where the, you know, possible DRA, DRI, and you guys can help me figure that one out is, um, because when you are training, you cannot train every single day. At least I can't, you know, that's just not part of my program. And can you say what differential reinforcement of alternative behavior is please? Yes. So differential reinforcement of alternative behavior is you're teaching a functionally equivalent behavior for what you were engaging in, but it's different than the, the maladaptive behavior. So for you, an appropriate alternative, right? So you are, you know, you know, restricting your eating, right? So now you're teaching yourself to engage in a behavior that's alternative. So you are going to the gym and lifting, and now it's like, now you have to eat this food, right? Yep, and it's exactly. also, I wouldn't say so much incompatible because you could still restrict your eating and lift, right? I mean, you'd be very, if you wouldn't do a good job at it, but you could, right? I live incompatible, but but not because incompatible. I think is also meaning like at the same time, like at the right. same time. Okay, you can't be texting and sticking your finger up your butt. It just wouldn't work because you're you can't be eating and not eating at the same time. Okay, so Perfect. I think it would be definitely, and and that's the best. The DRAs are the best because you want to teach a replacement behavior. 
You exactly. don't want to just be like, oh, I'm going to reinforce for, for the absence or, you know, incompatible, but incompatible, like they can then, they're not learning another behavior. They're learning something that they can't right. do. So yes. I think what you did was definitely a DRA and a beautifully one. Beautiful yes. one. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to call you think, out. <laughs> Thanks. I think the only reason, and this is where I, um, I really love ABA and I really like, should we plug the collective? And we the, really the, love the, you. <laughs> Oh my gosh, thank you. But I think that this is what's so um, powerful about, you know, being in this field is that learning and growing part, like what was I doing? You know, mm -hmm. because going into this, I'm like, well, I like after lifting hard and lifting heavy, I was so hungry. I mean, so you're absolutely right. I could have refrained, but I was just so hungry. I just, it no longer worked. Like so I could MO no longer there, right? Yeah. I was about to say that, yeah. Casey. I was going to say, you were manipulating the MO. Yeah. Yeah. We get so so there you go. We're like, it's like, oh, if like, someone, for example, if someone's like, I'm not drinking water. Right. And then, but you're like, okay, fine. But manipulating the, the antecedent would be, okay, I'm going to make you run a marathon right now. Like, you still right. could refrain technically from drinking the water. Like no one's mm -hmm. shoving the water down your throat unless they like give you an IV right. or something. But you're in such but, a state of deprivation. But so it increases the value of that reinforcer in that moment. And I'm sure you have Absolutely. coaches. You could tell me if you're wrong, but the coaches are telling you what your macro should be, what you should be eating. Because if you lift heavy, you want to see results, right? You want your body to be mm -hmm. like the best it can be. And you've Absolutely. got to feed your body and think of it as like, it's a completely, um, like it's a well-oiled machine when you're putting the yes. nutrients and supplements that your body needs to be in the best physical shape. And if you take away the stigma of what your body should look like and think about the internal workings of your body. And if you want to live a long, healthy, happy life inside your body, the system, right, Lauren, you have to yes. feed that. Absolutely. That's such a beautiful way to say that too. And it, it kind of reminds me of something um, Melissa Weber says all the time, you know, cause I think what's sometimes hard um, when you're first getting into the field of ABA and I, I know that there are individuals who have much more experience and have, have done much more research on ABA and, and, and private events. But I think that is what's hard. How do we reconcile ABA, you know, the observable in our environment to the private events. And she said something that was extremely powerful to me was that, you know, when we think about the environment, we also have to think about our internal environment. And so for me, you know, lifting, you know, allowed me, like you said, that functional equivalent, I was still able to, in a much healthier way, you know, um, avoid some of the aversive anxiety, private events in a, in a way, because when I'm lifting, I'm present moment thinking, I'm doing something that makes my body feel good. I'm eating. So all of that nourishment helps with my anxiety as well. And, you know, I just felt like my, my internal environment was a much more positive, healthier, controlled in a healthier way, if that makes sense. And I feel like, like, um, with lifting or you have a program, right? You have structure. Yep. So yes, the exactly. control thing that comes you out of our thrive on structure, I actually do. I <laughs> love structure. I just like, I think I do well with chaos, but structure is nice. I mean, I definitely know, and I will say I do not do well with chaos. I can um, hopefully pull it back in, but structure and a environment where it's like, this is my, almost like a behavior plan for yourself, right? I'm like, yes. okay, I'm going to go to the gym and these classes, the ones I'm going to, and I'm going to, you know, make sure I 
literally I have to attend these classes or else my I know my mental health will fail I know that yep. my physical health is going to fail and so you put yourself on a behavior plan absolutely like behaviors you want to see yourself engage in um and and it makes me feel a million I mean in two days just going to the gym twice I'm like duh this is what I needed I don't need Prozac I needed the gym <laughs> Well, and I think too, so kind of like you're saying, getting back to that self-talk. So, it, you know, I have a program. So then we have that like self-monitoring behavior principle um, that we learn about in ABA too, that I'm, you know, yeah. my my coach gives me a four-day plan. I know what I'm lifting. I enter that data. I can see the change over time. I could graph it if I want to, but it's also helped when I have those moments of self-doubt to say, Lauren, are you exercising because you feel like you need to, you know, burn something off or are you training? And that self-talk for myself about, okay, what does training mean? Training means you're eating your food. It means you're sleeping. It means you are managing your stress. You're reaching out to, um, you know, people in the, the collective. If I'm stressed about that, I can have a check-in with Melissa Weber if I need to, or Maggie, I can go to my therapist. So that's what training and recovery is. And that self-talk of, okay, what is it? You know, we will lift you up anytime. That. Yeah, we will lift you up anytime because you lift Absolutely. us up. And it's so oh. it's so nice. I love the training idea versus just why are you going? Are you just like I actually am struggling with it? I'm just going because I want to lose weight. No, it needs to be a full training program, right? And part and of that training is sleeping and eating, you know, and yeah. not going to the gym. And I think that that is what's really hard, especially with you know the language and our culture, what we see on social media you this is why we have to be very careful with what we post and and i'm very careful about what i post in regards to lifting you'll never see at least i hope and people can call me out but i don't put the numbers that i'm lifting like you're not going to see how much i'm right. lifting because people can hook onto the numbers um but i think what's really hard is that people will follow individuals um you know power lifters lifters and really great people but you have no idea what their training program is so you're looking at them perform this lift and you're like they must be going every single day or they must be doing x y and z and it's like no you don't know what that program is they could honestly just be going twice a week so i think that standard is so is what we kind of get ourselves in trouble with something i've learned like with my own personal struggles with health or whatever it is i've learned that you never know what the fuck someone else is dealing with. And that is my F-bomb for the show because, you know, and that's a good as one. Bre as Brene Brown yeah. says, is vulnerability is power. When you try create this beautiful image of yourself that everything's perfect, like it's total bullshit. It really is. And you are not relatable. I literally think half the success of Study Notes ABA was built on the fact that I'm like, I'm real. I'm going to show you what it's really like. I'm telling you, I struggle with this concept. I don't know. Let me look that up in my book. Let me do this. I'm a real human. Right. I'm sick. I'm sorry. I can't be in class. I'm sorry. I'm feeling really anxious right now. I'm going to have to cancel because I'm feeling really depressed about my health. I'm in the hospital again. Eliron really pissed me off this weekend that I literally got in the car and drove away and packed the suitcase and I only left for 25 minutes. <laughs> and texted me um, like 50 times. <laughs> that's amazing. On Shabbat, which means it's like serious. because Serious I sacred. But date, with yeah. this, this is something, and I actually feel like I have the platform to say it now. I spoke about this like a couple years ago that I wanted to start it. And the point that someone should get from this episode, aside from the eating disorder part, and I feel like I have the platform to say it now, is that filters are fake. 
Filters are bullshit. I love the filter that I have scleroderma and my rash looks fucking terrible all the time. That I love that I can put those Hawaiian flowers on my head and make my skin look perfect <laughs> and not have to do makeup because I hate wearing makeup. But at the same time, they are completely fake. So I want to start a challenge. Um, and I want to, and I want people to do this and to tag behavior bitches and use the hashtag life unfiltered post something real that you are dealing with, whether it's your skin issues, whether it's stretch marks, what you actually look like. And by the whether way, your kids shit on you today, whatever, yeah, it is. whatever it is, whether like you're taking your fake finger on and off in a boomerang, I don't care, but <laughs> I want people to tag behavior bitches and use the hashtag life unfiltered. I just like I have thought about this hashtag life unfiltered thing for a long time, literally a few years. I just never had a platform. And I feel like I'm excited to see what people share with us um, because I just think, and I think people don't realize, they think they're going to be liked more for presenting this perfect life. But no, I think yeah, you're honestly, actually when, more. I, when I started teaching the collective, the first the couple nights, um, I, I am someone like Lauren and wants to be, you know, taken as they're perfect and everything's together. And I, I literally prepared for hours and was like obsessive and didn't really share who I was. I just wanted to teach and do a really good job. And that was it. And then life, you know, happened and I, you know, started this big new job and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I, I would just be like, guys, here I am. I'm struggling with this, but I'm here to motivate the F out of you. I just listened to my motivating song and I became real to them. And I saw such a change And Lauren, I don't know. I know you're in the collective, but like me just being like, I know that there are things in life that are hard and I opened up and I'm not good at that. I'm more like, even my friends are like, Casey, tell us what's wrong. I'm like, nothing. I'm fine. I'm perfect. Everything's great. And they're like, when you say that, we know it's not great. So like, please. Oh, I'm I don't like the opposite. I'm like, they're like. Like even the guy who contacted us to a sponsorship on our episode today, he's like, so how's your Thursday? I'm like, my birthday? How did you know that? My birthday was two days ago. I turned 29, blah, blah, blah. Like <laughs> I like open up everything. I have lupus. Like my ex-boyfriend always <laughs> joke, we get it. You're Liad and you have lupus, okay? Do you tell everyone? And it's like, like my story is me. Yeah, no, I like to hide that. And I, I'm coming into my own because of you, Leah. Honestly, thank you. That, I, that's so awesome. Good. I'm able to admit. And Lauren, you, your messages you send me, I can't even like, I'm so happy to sit here and oh look God. at you and talk to you because <laughs> when you send me those, I really am like, wow, someone out there is like that mattered to me. Absolutely. And I, and I think that that's what we need to do, you know, not just, uh, you know, teaching our, our kids and our clients and our friends, um, you know, that strength is beautiful and all that. But I also think that we, if you see something in somebody speak it because here's a fun fact for you, Casey. So my husband comes in, he goes to jujitsu and he comes in at the end of our class yep. and you said something, um, he, you said, you know, just trust your gut. You've got this, trust your gut. Trust yeah. the feathers. And my husband, exactly. Trust your gut. And so I said, that husband, bitch knows what's up. <laughs> yes. And he, and he says that to me now. And I'm Aww. like, that yes. has impacted like, the study process it's impacted our marriage it's you know that just that that those things and that's what you gave to me and so i really feel like you know if you see something beautiful in somebody you have to let them know because 
I mean, you have no idea what's going on in people's life. Exactly. You know, and no, you're you, in, you, and you're truly impacting. So thank you for both of you for what you do. It's, thank you for being you and coming on. And I, I mean, I feel so right now, my like, I have these like little uh, goosebumps about this episode. I feel so powerful. And like, it's going to be, it's going to help so many people that may be out there again, not knowing that three of us that are coming off, you know, oh, they've got their shit together. They've got this. But guess what? We all struggle with stuff and no one knows what you're going through. So reach out and also know that you have a platform here to come listen, to hear things that are relatable. And we have got you. And Lauren, I just have one recommendation for you. Yes. Um, Your Instagram account is Letters and Lifting. I think that Mm -hmm. it would be, I think you should do it as at letters and up like a small up and then lifting. Cause like you like to lift and you like to uplift people. Oh, so that is just so my, perfect. I was like so looking cute. at it and I'm like, it would just be so perfect if it, cause like it's called letters guys, because, and go follow her. Um, great. It's called letters because her lettering is like literally perfect. It looks like a print, oh like a printer, like you are so really kind. cute. And you are so kind. No, but it's not just like me being kind. Like, trust me, I am picky on people's handwriting. Like, I love handwriting. Okay. No, but here's the thing. It's like I told you um, yesterday. I literally followed your ABA studying journey and then started practicing hand lettering just so I could study for the test. <laughs> so, Leah, you got me into hand lettering. You are amazing. But I can't do what you do. You. And it's like amazing. So I'm so happy. I mean, I just like love yeah. handwriting. And it happens it's to so work fun. out well because as Casey knows, because she always has to type the outlines for our podcast episodes because the end of my fingertips have like sores <laughs> on the end. They're it like also was a great really... replacement behavior for me because I could hold a pen and it doesn't hurt the tips of my finger. So again, the last call to things, action, yeah. her. call to action, please post something and tag at behavior bitches and use the hashtag life unfiltered um, hashtag. And if we see something really good, we will call you out for it on the episode so everyone could see your picture with your acne or your stretch marks and i saw something great one time that was saying some people are wishing they had stretch marks so just remember that oh, oh yeah i love that i love that okay don't cry that's i didn't awesome. mean to do that so <laughs> well, that's, no, lauren that's we love you we all love each other this is just so beautiful lauren and thank I- you for coming on and taking your time and um facing a fear of coming on which i know Absolutely. was it that bad no, it was just, it's, I think no, it wasn't bad. But I definitely texted uh, Maggie this morning and I'm like, I'm so anxious. Do you have any tips? And she's like, these girls are amazing. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Yeah. We, so. yeah, that's the thing is we just literally shoot the shit and like, <laughs> and tie in behavior principles because we know them and we want the field. We want people to be able to listen and uh, disseminate ABA in a relatable, real, raw way. You feel motivated and learn at the same time. And also be like, oh my God, there's someone else struggling with this topic, you know? Absolutely. So thank you, Lauren. Letters and lifting. Guys. We love you. Yes, we love you. And Casey, please add letters and lifting's Instagram to the show notes, okay? Doing it now. As always, guys, thanks for tuning in. Love you. Mean it.